Do you ever feel like you know a lot about Jesus, but you can't remember the last time that you felt loved by him? Do you ever feel like doctrine is cold or maybe doctrine is disconnected from your experience of the Christian life, your experience of being known and loved by the Father? If you've ever wrestled with any of these things, if any of these questions or doubts plague your soul, then today's podcast is for you. We hope you're encouraged by the love of Christ for you. Stay tuned. If you're new to Theocast, you may not have heard of this word. It's called pietism. Have you ever felt like the Christian life is a heavy burden versus rest and joy? That you wake up worrying about how well you're going to perform instead of thinking about what Christ has done for you? It's dread versus joy, really. That's pietism. Pietism causes Christians to look in on themselves and find their hope, not in what Christ has done, but what they're doing. And we have a little book for you. It's free. We want you to download it. And we're going to explain the difference between pietism and what we call confessionalism. Reformed theology, really. How it is that we walk by faith, seeing the joy of Christ. And when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, what does that look like? You can download it at our website. Just go to theocast.org. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ, conversations about the Christian life from a confessional, reformed, and pastoral perspective. Here at Theocast, we are aiming to clarify the gospel, take the clutter off of it. We don't ever want Jesus to be obscure. And we are aiming to reclaim the purpose of the kingdom of Christ. And we hope and pray that these conversations are used in the Lord in that end. We thank you for listening. Your hosts today are John Moffat, who is pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And I'm Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. John and I are coming to you today. This is, for us, the first recording of the new year. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it is. Happy new year, new you, all that good stuff. Happy 2024. And if you are listening to this podcast, I trust this is going to come out sometime in February-ish. And the conference, the one-day conference that we're doing, in Escobar, Lord California, <laughs> will be, Lord willing, in the rearview mirror. Um, yeah, this is always very confusing to try to talk about this. And so if you <laughs> if you are interested in listening to any of the messages or the panel discussions or any of those things from that one-day conference that we're doing with Chris Gordon of Abounding Grace Radio and Dr. Robert Godfrey, uh, who's involved with Westminster Seminary California and Ligonier, uh, if you're interested in hearing any of that content, you can go over to the Theocast community and you can find it there. So we leave that with you. Uh, John, it's good to be with you today, man. And it is. I'm, I'm excited about our conversation Me today. Too. And Me the too. Lord and his providence is really good. And I think you're going to explain a little bit more of what I mean in saying that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be off and running. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the title of the podcast up being, but something about cold orthodoxy or dead orthodox, whatever. something Or why that. doctrine can feel why cold. or feel something. cold, something like that. Justin and I, as we do... Uh, we try hard to spend time talking with each other, encouraging, building each other up, talking about the future. Because our relationship, let's just say this. I mean, our relationship is a piece of what this podcast yeah, is. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Our friendship. Yeah. All that. We often just have conversations about things we are enjoying or that's been helpful and beneficial Or that to we're us. learning or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I started a conversation uh, recently between the two of us about preaching and more in line of just kind of the theological ethos. And by recently, you mean this morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, the theological ethos of kind of just 
the Reformed faith, specifically in kind of the Baptist world that we live in, but I would even say in general. Sure. And I, you know, it's amazing. I I said this to you, how the Holy Spirit can Mm -hmm. be convicting and guiding you in areas in the same way that he's convicting and guiding me as well. And that there's just like this supernatural encouragement to that. So Mm -hmm. I was explaining to you just about some shifting in the way I think about scripture, about my preaching. Yeah, Yeah, about my preaching. And to be real clear, we're not talking about like macro evolution here. No. We're talking about incremental, like ways we're learning and growing. Go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, we are called to feed the sheep and you know, in many ways, we are what are what's called you know scriptural chefs. Our job is to prepare the 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 wonderful truth of Christ mm-hmm. and present it to the people so that they no, can, no. as a means of grace, uh, feed on the word and sacrament. And that's our job, right? And so, we want our people to be healthy, and we want them to see Christ. Which means we're always thinking about how to be better at what we mm-hmm. do, learn more of Christ, and be better at proclaiming Christ. Not with the words of wisdom of the men, like Paul says, but in the sure. effectiveness of. Uh, I love this. Sure. We persuade men, right? That's so. Mm-hmm. The more, uh, the better we can be at persuading people of Christ, the the, the more beneficial it is to them. Mm-hmm. And the statement I made, Justin, was that sometimes I just feel like preaching is academic, you know? too academic. Too academic. Yeah. Yeah. It feels more like lecturing and teaching, which is a necessary part of our diet. Of course. And less proclaiming the wonder of Christ. Less heralding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast is going to be a little bit about how if you disconnect the person, who he is, and the story of how he has come to us Mm -hmm. and has redeemed us, you disconnect that from doctrine. Because mm-hmm. it's not either or, and, it's not one or the other, but you correct. disconnect it from doctrine. Doctrine does become cold. And I would say yeah. you lose the benefit of the relationship, mm-hmm. the as you said earlier this morning, the experience of Christ yeah. in your yeah. life. Yeah. I'm going to just piggyback, dovetail, double down, all those good things <laughs> on what you're saying really quickly before we get into the the meat of it. But this, this is an important kind of teeing up of the conversation. Uh, so John and I are just like you guys out there. We're always learning. We're always growing. We're always reforming the ways that we think. And uh, we trust that the Lord is guiding us in that. And so he and I are both preachers. John, John, you preach regularly in, it, there in Nashville, and I do here in Asheville. And uh, just because we've been doing this for a number of years at this point doesn't mean that we don't grow as preachers. And that's mm-hmm. what's going on here mm-hmm. uh, for us as we're assessing things and as we're living life with other Christians in our churches and that's all right. these kinds of things. This stuff is happening and is becoming more clear. And so I agree. I, I, let's go ahead and say a few things. We never want to pit doctrine and experience against each other. Uh, that's foolish. You already said that. So it's actually sound doctrine undergirds and drives and informs our experience of Christ and how we know him uh, and how we even feel and think that he feels about us. I mean, Mm -hmm. we get that from doctrine. Uh, So that's key. That said, the pitfall, one of the major pitfalls anyway, of confessionalism is dead orthodoxy. It is a maybe an overblown emphasis on sound doctrine, orthodoxy, without the right emphasis uh, or the the right execution of this kind of vital union with Christ and a relationship with Him, right. uh, knowing Him, loving Him, being known and loved by Him, that's always a danger. To where people can have the experience of like, yeah, we 
we have really sound doctrine, but it's just, it's cold. That's right. It doesn't have life in it. That's right. And of course, none of us ever want that. Mm -hmm. And again, we're not pitting the two against each other. But I think you and I both as preachers in different yet similar ways have been slightly tweaking the ways that we approach the pulpit and the ways that we think about holding Christ out to our people, uh, ways that we are aiming to pull us all up into the great story of redemption that God is accomplishing and, and effectively helping our people see and behold Christ uh, and to, to know yeah. him and love him and feel the fact that he knows and loves them too. And we trust that this is what's going to stir and affect and carry the day uh, for our own souls and for the souls of our people long-term. So Amen. this is not, I want to be really clear, last comment is this is not a, a podcast about preaching. So don't, don't misunderstand us. This is, we're not just talking to preachers out there. We're going to no. be trying to do a little bit of what we're discussing and just consider Christ together yep. and the story of redemption together on the pod today. Yeah. So speaking biographically for me, one of the things that I've been encouraged. This is what people are here for, John, to hear right. your biographical thoughts. Please. We did have uh, someone request multiple times. We've had people request kind of talking about our history and how we've come to where we are today. Maybe one of these days we'll do that. Maybe But so. not today. <laughs> not, not today. Not today. And I know you want to hear that because you resonate with it, the journey. You resonate with the journey of that course. we've gone on, that you've gone on. Part of this journey for me, you know, Justin, I've gone through several theological shifts and they've all been wonderful. God's been just so kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, likewise. You know, one of the biggest ones for me was the sovereignty of God in mm -hmm. salvation. You know, that was really refreshing for me because it made Huge. a lot of sense from the Bible. Of course. The second bigger one would have been confessionalism. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, man, I just feel like we're all over the place theologically. How do we find mm -hmm. some bearings? Covenant theology. Man. Law and gospel distinctions, another one for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. yeah, covenant theology brought the Bible together for me. Mm -hmm. So like Calvinism made God big and powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And then covenant theology made the story make sense. Like mm -hmm. this big, powerful God is actually doing something. Mm -hmm. And then, then law gospel was kind of like the clarity with inside covenant theology of like, well, mm -hmm. there's stuff going on within these covenants, go law and grace, right? Covenant yeah. of works, covenant of grace. Yeah. There's a been an, um, for me, all of those are really <laughs> healthy and, and beautiful. Uh, what I would call like cornerstones to the wonderful relationship that I have with my God and King. One of the areas that's really been helping me lately is just kind of thinking about the story in its entirety, mm -hmm. not spending so much time in the new that I forget how the old is the foundation for the new, right? Sure. You know, the old, the, the, what are the New Testament writers, including Jesus, often do? They just make constant references to the old story. For sure. Which then, that part of it has been really impactful for me, thinking about how the Bible is actually, a, it's a story. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what it is. And often, Justin, when we read it, we can read it like um, Narnia, right? Yeah. Where it's a story about these people and this thing happened to them, but we don't actually believe we're in Narnia. We don't believe we're right. in the story. We it's don't put ourselves story. there. No. Or right. we don't think it impacts us. Like the right. end of the story doesn't impact us other than the entertainment that what it brought. That That's not how the Bible is presented. Like the Bible mm -hmm. is presented of, this is not only a story, it's your history. Yeah, for sure. Of how God sees you right. before and after Christ. Yeah. And yeah. how he will continue to see you going forward. I love mm -hmm. this from John. I mentioned this to you earlier. John in his gospel, um, towards the end of it, chapter 20, verse 31, he says, but these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, mm -hmm. 
Mm. He didn't go through and list theological statements and facts about what Jesus is. This is who he is, which is interesting. He didn't go through and state the relationship between God and the Father, the, the relationship of how his humanity worked and God's love for us in Christ and Christ demonstrating that by laying down his life. He actually brought us the reality of Jesus to us by story, mm-hmm. like by the continuation of Genesis through the flow of right. this Messiah who shows up. Right. So what's interesting is we actually learn doctrine through story. And it be, it has the reason I say that, Justin, and I can't wait for you to get into some of your examples you got into earlier, because I was totally tearing up when you were talking about it. We were on the phone, so you didn't see it. But sure. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But we no, learn. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We smell, we taste, we touch, sure. we experience, we see sure. the, the beauty of Jesus in his theological form, but it mm. becomes personal to us. It's not a, just a truth about fact, but sure. it's facts that affect the way in which we live our life now and for eternity. Yeah. I mean, just off the cuff here, thinking about what you're saying, you know, all of scripture is a story. It's a story of redemption that God's accomplishing and he's doing that through Jesus. And so that's a true statement. Another true statement is that the Bible is ultimately about Christ. I mean, we've said that many, many times here. And so, yeah, when we come to the new Testament, we're thinking in, along those lines and tracking along with that story throughout and seeing Christ as the pinnacle mm-hmm. of it you know, on our way to the great conclusion and the consummation of redemption in the new heavens and the new earth. And, and we trace that arc and, and we preach every sermon in light of that. Um, you know, John's gospel, you talked about, it. I mean, yeah, there's some, there's some statement in chapter one, right at the beginning about who the word is, but you're right in the gospels, generally speaking, there's a little bit of discourse here and there when Jesus teaches, but by and large, what is, what is it that the evangelists do? They hold Christ out as the fulfillment of everything that came before right? And they're doing that through these accounts of what he said and what he did. And yeah, so we, we do ourselves a disservice if we are not putting ourselves there with him and being brought up into like, no, this is not just your, you're learning about a man named Jesus, uh, who is the God man. Uh, it's not just that you're accumulating facts about him, who he said he was and what he said he did and all that. I mean, those things are, are great, but ultimately you are seeing him, you're beholding him, you're coming to know him. Uh, and I'm going to use this in a personal way. Uh, our faith is always personal. It's just never private. So I That's think right. we need to think in terms of the corporate nature of the Christian life. We've said it so many times, I'm being saved into a people. And in one sense, this great story of scripture is about God saving a people of whom I'm a part. That's you right. know, So I, I'm not trying to individualize this, but right. I as a Christian, and then then I, when I gather with other saints on the Lord's day and we listen to preaching, right? What what is perhaps the best thing that could ever happen for our souls mm. other than to to see Christ, behold Christ, to have him held out to us in such a way where it's like he he knows you and he loves you. And this is this is who he is for you. Uh, this is how. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have worked to save you. And this is how even God the Father himself loves you and how the Lord rejoices over you. Uh, Those are the things that sustain the souls of God's people. Uh, In the midst of the fight against sin and in the midst of suffering and trial. Now, that's all grounded in doctrine, but I'll just put it this way. I've I've said it like this in our church context 
to not in the pulpit, but just in conversation lately. You know, I'm, I, you know, I love the whole Christ. I love the marrow controversy. I love all those things. And one of the, the things that Sinclair Ferguson in that book, I think beautifully draws out from Thomas Boston is how we never want to separate Jesus from his benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think what often happens in the pulpit, in reform circles, where we are all about right doctrine is we can fall into a trap of effectively preaching justification as the gospel. Yeah. Right. And that justification is wonderful. But with all, I mean, we all agree, Jesus is the good news and he is the embodiment of it. And he is the one who accomplished it. And it is through our union with him by faith that we then receive all his benefits. Mm-hmm. And so justification, sanctification, eternal life, security, all those things come to us through the person and work of Jesus. And it's him that we must know. It's him that we love. Though we haven't seen him, we love him. Though you don't now see him, you believe in him, Mm -hmm. right? It's that peace. And we just need to have that flame stoked and fanned as much as possible when we gather on the Lord's day and and when we have conversations with other saints. So that's that's a lot of where I'm coming from on this. And I think that my eyes have been open to that in fresh ways. And I could talk biographically too, John, about my own life and how um, this kind of thing that we're describing right now, I think is what I always have gone back to if I'm ever going to feel any sense of peace and security and being loved and known. It's like, this is where I got to live. And I think I've just been encouraged in my own mind. I've been encouraged by my fellow elders here to lean into this more in the pulpit and let it rip. And uh, it's been a sweet thing. So, Yeah, it's almost like putting the humanity back in Jesus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, what's what's so hard is that we, we say we love a man that changed the entire calendar of history. <laughs> Which we go did. from BC yeah. to AD because of yeah. him. I mean, let's be frank. This is w- why it happened, right? And there are Objectively times, speaking, the most significant figure in history. That's right. And I, he don't loves, care, I don't care if you're a believer or not. That's just objectively he, true. And he loves you. That, oh, that's the yeah. thing about it, right? Yeah. And he's yeah. not a subjective ghostly being that's just distant like he is in heaven in bodily form you will embrace him he will he will your face will touch his you know what i mean it's like those kinds Mm -hmm. of things are really hard for us Mm -hmm. because um you know justin i'm about i'm about to see this is like gonna get super corny i don't care but i'm about to see you in a few days and but you know i really look forward to is that first hug i get from you yeah man there's something about being in the same presence with you and i'm just gonna hug you and it means something to me and the bible talks about the 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 preciousness like i love this passage when he says he's going to wipe away your tears because what is that that's an mm-hmm. affectionate tender yeah thing that a parent or a loving person does to exactly. another person of like hey yeah. i see i yeah. see the pain and i'm going to yeah. touch it away and and actually i'm going to touch it away and and it's it's okay yeah like like you're safe all is well hey guys real quick some of you are listening to this and it's encouraging to you but you have questions so where do you go How do you interact with other people who have the same questions and share resources? We have started something called the Theocast Community. And we're excited because not only is it a place for you to connect with other like-minded believers, all of our resources there, past podcasts, education materials, articles, all of it's there and you can share it and ask questions. You can go check it out. The link is in the description below. Can you, if you don't mind, I'm gonna throw this in. Can you just tell that story about the woman yeah, bro. Jesus. I mean, just, so just do it, man. It was so I'll, good this morning. I mean, I may go on a few of these. Uh, yeah, I'll on, just you go. Just, you just, just stop. Yeah. All right. So this is something that 
you know, in John and I just talking this morning, I said, you know, here's something that I've been doing more lately. Can I set it up for a second? Please. This, yeah, because I'll probably talk for a few minutes. So Bob, yeah. say something. So I'd like to set it up. I was talking about in my preaching how I'm trying to bring people, you know, I asked Justin, like, what's the most like impactful movie you've ever seen? He names, he names a movie. And I've had several. Well, you just kind of walk away and literally you just We're go, not going to wow. name them so as not to <laughs> offend somebody. But it's like, wow. <laughs> like that was just, wow, man. Like the sto- like you remember every detail of the movie because you were just drawn in to the story and the character and what it was about. And I think the Bible presents itself this way. It mm-hmm. draws you into this drama where you walk away and you're just like, for sure, this person is unlike yeah. anyone else. There's, yeah. there's no one like him. This yeah. is unreal. So well, this is kind of where yeah. when you read the gospels, that's what they're trying to do. For sure, man. I mean, in a tip of the captain, Mike Horton, who's used that language of being drawn into God's drama for years. Yeah. Uh, you know, so this is not something unique to the, like, new to the reform tradition that we're trying to add in. It's like, no, reform people have agreed on this through history. It's just, we're all prone to errors. So anyway, yeah, John was talking to me about that and we were going back and forth on just, you know, how we're thinking about preaching these days. And I said, well, here's something that I've been doing. I might not think exactly in the same terms you do, John, but I think I'm trying to do the same thing. Right. And so in trying to help my people see Christ, put on Christ, know him and, and feel his love for them, uh, just giving examples, considering pulling us into the story, you know, pulling us into the accounts of Jesus's life and ministry. And one that I mentioned to John this morning is, you know, the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years in Mark chapter five. It's like, put yourself there. And she's not been well for 12 years. She's tried everything. I mean, you know what it's like, I mean, just objectively speaking, you don't feel well, there's something wrong with your body and it, you just can't, can't do anything to make it get better. It's like that in and of itself would beat you down. Uh, I was sick for a few months or for a couple of months in the fall. And I mean, it, it took a toll on me uh, just emotionally, mentally. So she's dealing with that. Then you have on top of it in the Jewish community, she is ceremonially unclean. And so she's, she's an outcast. She's marginalized and is utterly just at the end of herself as to what to do. I mean, put yourself like live a dozen years in that predicament. And she's heard, clearly, she's heard about Jesus. There's a lot of fanfare about him. And she's thinking to herself, man, if I can just, if I can get near him and if I can just touch him, maybe I'll be well. That's remarkable in and of itself. So you you know the account, like there's this, I mean, basically a moving parade as Jesus is on the way to Jairus's house, right? Because his daughter's dying. And, And she touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus feels that power left him. And he asks the question, he said, who touched me? And the disciples were in a, like the disciples react like we would. Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, look at all these people. <laughs> right. What do you mean you touched? That's right. right. Observation: Jesus is truly human, and He is also God. That's right. All right. He asks. It's not that He doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Why does He ask the question? Because He wants to have the interchange with her. And then the way it's depicted is gripping, man. It it says that she came to Him trembling. Mm. I mean, and put yourself there. She comes to him trembling and she told him everything. Man, like trembling comes to him. She looks at him and she tells him everything about her life and her plight and her predicament. And then what does he say to her? He says, daughter, like your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like this is Jesus. It's just like it's very similar to how he interacted with the woman of the city in Luke 7. You know, how he the whole bit with Simon the Pharisee, we know the story and and he tells the parable about those who have been forgiven much, love much. And he looks at the woman who is a great sinner whose lifestyle is not commendable, who knows she has nothing. And he says, your sins are forgiven you. Mm. You know, mm. go, like, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. John 9, the man born blind. Right? Yeah, I just took it out of my mouth. That's right. Yeah, Bro, you know, so think about, again, this man's experience. I mean, I cannot conceive of it, John, being blind from birth, mm. never having been able to see anything in this beautiful world that God has made with my own eyes. Right. And of course, the disciples asked the question that we all would ask because this is just how we are wired in our jerkishness. And we take some of the things that God has revealed in his word and we misapply them. Mm-hmm. And we say, Jesus, who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents that resulted in him being born blind? And Jesus says, Well, it's neither, actually. It's so that the glory of God might be displayed through him. Of course, Jesus heals this man and gives him his sight. Well, two different times, this formerly blind man is called before the religious authorities in, of the day, right? And they're interrogating him as to what's going on. And the first time, he doesn't know much. He just says, look, all I know is that a man named Jesus healed me. And what do you think? You know, they ask, well, what do you think about him? It's like, well, you know, clearly he's a prophet or something. And then they even bring the man's parents before them, and they kind of, you know, dip out on their son and just kind of throw him to the wolves because they're concerned for their own sakes, because to be thrown out of the synagogue is about the worst thing that could happen to a Jew, right? And so we've, we get it. Like, this is bad. Even this own man's parents have disowned him. They call him before them again. And then he, he asks basically, I mean, talk about having some courage here. It's like, <laughs> do you want to be his disciples too? He says to the, the Pharisees, and they get really angry with him and throw him out of the synagogue. Well, the best part is yet to come. At the end of the chapter, the text says that Jesus, having heard that he was thrown out of the synagogue, went and found him. Hmm. <laughs> right? So he got thrown out of the synagogue. Jesus goes to find the blind man who can now see. And he says to him, do you believe in the son of man? Now, the, he didn't put, so we hear this and we're like, oh, he's putting him to the test. No, he's not. He has sought him. He's already given him his sight and he's gone to seek him. And he's going to ask the question that matters. Do you believe in the son of man? The response, who is he, sir? So that I might. The one who's talking to you is is him. And he says, Lord, I believe. And he Mm -hmm. worshiped him. It's like, this is Jesus, man. And it's like, just how how he loves us, how tender he is. That's right. One more. And then you go. Yeah, Uh, I'm ready. John 11, man. Oh, come on, A bro. familiar account, right? Lazarus is dead, and Jesus hears about it. We know all the things, right? How he waited two days. You know, he's going he's gonna to demonstrate the glory of God in raising Lazarus from the dead. We know that part. That's, that's, that's epic. That's great. But don't miss these pieces in the middle where he gets to Bethany, and he's talking to Martha, who runs out to see him. And she is, again, put yourself in the situation. A person you've loved dearly is dead. There's a finality to it. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It's heavy. You, this person that, you know, putting it in our vernacular, the, the person that used to, you know, to sit around and, and open gifts on Christmas morning with us or sit around the table at Thanksgiving is no longer there. And she's grieved. And Jesus looks at her and asks her a question. And he says, 
in the midst of this heartbreak and, and all the things that are going on, he says, do you believe that your brother will rise again? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe on the last day that he will. Mm. To which Christ looks at her in the midst of heartbreak and grief, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And anybody who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. You know, and it's like, listen to what he's saying to her, how he's ministering to her. And he's like, look, like I, I am, I am your hope. I'm your brother's hope. I'm the hope of every human being that like, if you are in me and you trust me and you believe in me, like know that I love you and I've got you and I will raise you up on the last day, which is what he had said in chapter six. It's like, but don't like, we tend to just miss this. And, and what I've encouraged, like I've thought in these terms in my sane moments, John, over the last 15 or 20 years, it's like, this is where my peace, if I have any, it's where it comes from. It's like, I, I'm going to put myself there and it's like, he's talking to me and he's talking to you. And it's like, as I've talked with our, as I'm preaching to our people, it's like, see him and put yourself there. And he is speaking to you, blessed one, beloved right. one of the Lord. He That's knows right. you and he loves you. That's right. And and yeah, and it's like all really is well, and we really are secure because we're known and loved by Him, and feel that. That's right. I mean, yeah. this is where I'm going to jump in and say, with those stories, without those stories, what I'm about to say makes no sense. There's nothing for you to grasp on and say, yeah. you know, that's true. Yeah. For instance, when it says he's a sympathetic high priest, Amen. cast all your burdens Amen. on him for he cares for run with boldness into his presence when you need forgiveness and strength. Mm-hmm. None of those make sense. But when you go, hey, all of these stories about mm-hmm. these people, do you know that they apply to you? Like mm-hmm. that's how he treated that's them. The yeah. And here's the doctrine. He also will treat you the right. same way. Amen. And has already yeah. treated you this way. You just don't know it. Yeah. So when you hear about this woman who comes to him with, she's just like, I just got to touch to him. Uh-huh. He says, yeah, you can do that. You can come with boldness without fear mm-hmm. and I will give you the strength that you need. And when you, the woman who is caught in adultery, the woman who, the, yes. the prostitute, right? Yeah. He's like, hey, you know what? Waiting for you is this sympathetic high priest who goes, listen, I will be your representative to the yeah. Father. I see your sins. Because that's what a priest mm-hmm. is, right? He's the no, one who I goes know. between you and the Father. I see your sins, daughter. You got to have him. Yeah. I see your sins, daughter. And yep. I will be the representation between you and the Father. And when you feel the weight of your sin and you feel the weight of the world and you have fear and you have anxiety, he wants to act. I, Justin, that story, but he heard her. He's like, hey, come tell me about right. the burden she, you've been cared, casted on Trembling you. and tells him everything. Tell me your burden. Yeah. He, he has already healed her. And he says, yeah. tell me your burden. He heals us. I want to hear that. That's Amen. right. He heals us, Justin. And then he goes, hey, guys, come to me and mm-hmm. tell me your burdens. I want He hear bids them. us to come to him all the time. <laughs> not not an ethereal spirit. Right. A person. Right. A real person who you can talk to in this weird, right. supernatural way. He goes, you know, tell me what's going on with your heart today. Mm-hmm. I mean, Justin, that's what I want to hear about on a Sunday. Amen, brother. I mean, <laughs> Come on, man. Tell me We've about been that. Beat to death. We've been beat to death all week by our flesh <laughs> right. and the accusations of the enemy and just life in a fallen world. And we need to come and hear of him mm-hmm. and, and to be pulled up into his love for us. 
And to be reminded that on account of Christ, the Father himself loves us. You know, it's not just that he loves us because of Jesus, but in Christ, he lo- He himself loves us. I mean, it's what we need to be reminded of. I mean, even you mentioned the woman caught in adultery. I mean, and we don't need to get into textual criticism debates. Right. I don't give a, like a rip about that right now. I about said something I shouldn't. Uh, so I don't care about that right now. But it's like, that's a beautiful depiction. Think. Think of how Satan is depicted as the great accuser of the brethren or think of judgment day, right? Like when there's all, like if, if we are going to stand in our own merits, like in all the accusations and the condemnation that could come our way, that whole account, you've got this woman who is ashamed, you know, she is, is being, she's, she's on the ground. I mean, she's going to be stoned and put to death. And, and what does he, after having like just cut off at the knees, everybody else's righteousness, his word to that woman is woman who condemns you. No one, Lord. Nobody. Well, then neither do I condemn you. And he says, go in peace and sin no more. And it's like, yeah, like what else would we do? Because again, go and sin no more, you know, so that you'll remain in my good graces. No, it's like, go now and don't sin. And we're like, amen, may it be, you know, and, but like how he stands there to protect his own from all of the accusations that are hurled at them, you know, is, is a beautiful depiction or, or, you know, like one of my favorite passages, John is uh, John chapter 14 in those early mm-hmm. verses, like put yourself in that situation with those dudes. I mean, this is Christ's last night on earth. They've just taken of the Passover. He's washed their feet. He's, he's talking about going away, you know? Yeah. And it's like, this is the guy, like we've left everything and we have followed him and we've been with him for three years and he's leaving us. Mm-hmm. And, There've been some wild, they don't fully understand everything yet, but I mean, Peter's confessed him to be the Christ. I mean, they've seen some incredible stuff and he's going away. That's right. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's right. And then he says that I'm going in my father's house are many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I would not tell you this if it weren't true. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I'm going to come back and get you, you know, (laughs) and he's saying that to us. It's amen. Right. It's the work of the evil one and those who are around him who separates. I don't know if I've ever actually said this before, but they separate the work of Christ from the person of Christ. Well, that's again. Yeah. Don't separate those. What he did is not disconnected from who he is. Right. I love this. Justin. he goes, because I love you. That's the person. I yeah. lay down my life. That's the work. They are yeah. connected, right? They're so connected. And Justin, sometimes we get so yeah. focused on getting right, the laying the down work. the life part, that we forget or, why he did it, which is based in his love. Or even when we talk about his person, we talk rightly about the hypostatic union and Nicene right. orthodoxy and all those. That's and right. it praise the Lord for that stuff. Uh, I'm all about it. I'm geeked up for it. But we, we must never miss the love of God as most definitively revealed and demonstrated to us through Jesus for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, you yeah. were, what you just said about Satan, I mean, you just, you're tracking, you're channeling your inner John Owen. I mean, he says that in communion with the Absolutely. triune God, yeah. you know, or communion with God is the old title, but where he says, I mean, one thing he says is the greatest offense we could ever commit against the father is to question his love for us. That's mm-hmm. a thought. Mm-hmm. But then he, he talks about how it is natural for us in our flesh to have hard thoughts of God. Meaning we tend to think of him as harsh and exacting and threatening and severe and scary. Yeah. And he says that though, to have such thoughts of God as a Christian, as a beloved adopted child, 
in Christ, to have such thoughts of God is, is the tactic and the work and the strategy of the evil one. Mm-hmm. It is what Satan would have us think. So whenever we think that God is severe and harsh and we question, like, does he really love me? Mm. That is what the enemy would have us think. It is not what the Lord would have us think. And this is why with every fiber of my being, and I know you agree, this salvation by sincere obedience that is preached in final justification and lordship salvation at points and federal vision and new perspectives on Paul and pietism all over the, this is why with every fiber of my being, I hate it because this is the tactic of the evil one to cause the beloved children of God who are known and loved and cherished by Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ to question whether God really loves them. Mm -hmm. And they should know that he loves them because of who he is. Amen. Right. Which is backed up by what he did. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like if you read a biography of someone who basically read about this person (laughs) that decided to write a biography around them versus Mm -hmm. reading the biography of someone who lived with that person, you know, like you could get enough information about my dad that you could write a history about his, but if you talk to me, it's Mm -hmm. a whole nother ball of wax, man. I'm going to tell you things and I'm going to explain them in ways that, that is just different. Like, cause he loved me, you know, I, I, I was the beneficiary, I was the beneficiary of his love. Right. And that's what I love about these disciples. That's who's, that's who's writing to us, Justin, is is men who's like, yeah, he loved me. You know, this is what he did for me. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I know you, this is first Peter. I'm preaching to first Peter. Yeah. I love, he goes, Hey, blessed are you who haven't seen him, but yet you believe chapter one and verse eight. Blessed are you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And though you don't see him, you love him. Though you don't see him, you believe in him. And then what I think is fascinating is that, Peter, who has experienced the person of Jesus in many different ways, he he warns us. He goes, hey, you know, you're going to have to be careful because you're the world's going to want to come in and replace this person that you believe in with mm-hmm. something else. You know, verse 13, yeah. he's like, hey, be ready to take action to mm-hmm. protect the mind against this and, and be sober. Don't let the world come in and intoxicate that. And then I love this. He doesn't say, now, go to work. He says, now put your hope fully on the grace, which is connected to the person. Mm -hmm. Put your hope fully on the grace that it which is to come at the revelation of Jesus Christ, your great high King who loves you, who you are talking to now, who lives with this weird thing where he lives inside you. Justin, this is where I'm just hoping with Theocast that people tune in every week and they walk away going, wow, I just didn't think about Jesus in that way. That's how the Christian life should be. Brothers and sisters in Christ going, have you thought about Jesus in this way? Who he is, what he's done, who he is for you, how the spirit interacts and the the good news of this story and the connection of it. Uh, yeah. This is this is what it means to build one another up, not in theological astuteness. This is true. Mm-hmm. We need this. Mm-hmm. But if you disconnect the theology from the person, you have no hope. And mm-hmm. it's why a lot of people have a lot of doctrine, Justin. Sure. And have no hope. And there's despair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, and I'll conclude it with this thought that, you know, you even the testimonies that we read in the scriptures are are people that are able to say, He loved me. Uh, and I can so I knew him in that regard. And mm-hmm. uh and I'm writing to you of him. Um I in one sense, him. that's what we're doing that's as right. preachers, right? Like that just kind of struck me as you said that, that when I stand in the pulpit, you stand in the pulpit, or anybody you know, for that matter. I mean, effectively you're saying the same thing. It's like, I can tell you, it's like Paul in first Timothy one, you know, I can tell you that these things are true because 
Like, and I could tell you that he loves you and that he's patient and he's merciful because that's how he's been with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm, I'm a sinner like you are. And that's how we should just talk to each other all the time. That's right. As believers, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's like, man, I know you're going through it right now, but Jesus loves you. God, the father loves you. I know that's true because he's, he's loved me. And here's, here's what he said. And here's what he did. And here's how he demonstrated that love and live there, abide there. Amen. Think on that, you know, bask in the rays of his love for you. And may that be the tone and the tenor of our conversations in the church. So Amen. man, this was encouraging for my yeah. soul uh, to think here. through this stuff today. And um, I hope that those of you out there who've tuned in for this episode have been encouraged to consider Jesus for you. Go ahead, John. You I was going to say, yeah, jump into the community. We always post the episodes sure. in there, interact with us, you know, tell us additional thoughts, things that you thought about as the episode was coming along. Yeah, sure. We'd love to read those. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, we hope you've been encouraged and in, in thinking of Christ for you and how much he loves you and uh, putting yourself there with him and, and thinking maybe more pointedly that the words that he speaks of comfort and hope and peace, he's saying them to you and live in that today. Amen. Until next time, we we trust, you know, if the Lord tarries, that we'll be coming to you again next week. Perhaps our Lord will return and we'll be with him and we'll see him face to face and he will wipe those tears Amen. from our eyes. May it be. Until then, grace and peace. Hey, everyone, before you go, Justin and I first wanted to say thank you. And if this has been encouraging to you in any way, please feel free to share it. But we also need your support. And it's when you give that it really helps us financially reach more people. So the next time you consider giving to a ministry, we hope that you would pray about Theocast and partner with us as we share the gospel around the world.